Good morning and welcome to each one. Greetings in the name of Jesus. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Title of my message this morning is When Faith is Tested. Jeffrey was a young man that I had in my James to Jude class at Maranatha. One day he shared his story with us. When he was somewhere between the ages of three to four, his dad left the church and was excommunicated. And throughout the next approximately 10 years of his life, his dad was kind of in and out of his life. I don't I think he was living not terribly far away. Um, sometimes he would be there, other times he was gone. For a young boy that wants to look up to his dad to be his hero, he wasn't there. It caused deep pain in his life. When Jeffrey was a young teenager, his dad left for good. And he said, he told me that he remembers just having a deep longing for a dad. And after his dad left, the family moved to another community, tried to pick up the pieces. A few years ago, Jeffrey's brother had gotten married, had a son. And then when he was three years old, they started to notice that something was going wrong, something didn't seem right. He was stumbling and they weren't sure. So they did some checking and they found out that this, this little boy had a brain tumor. And um, the child continued to get worse and worse. Eventually the child died at a young age of three years old. As Jeffrey shared these experiences, you could tell that they were very painful to him. Jeffrey knew what it was like to have his faith tested. And there are times when God allows our faith to be tested. And when we face those times, so often we wonder why. Why is God allowing this thing in my life? And it seems like sometimes those things can threaten to destroy us. Today I want to explore some of the reasons why God allows us to be tested. Why he allows our faith to be tested and then how we should respond to them. I invite you to turn to the book of James. First chapter. I'd like to just read the first four verses. <clears throat> James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
So I'd like to look at three questions. What are various trials that he talks about here? And then why does God allow various trials into our lives? And then how should we respond to those various trials? The King James Version here uses the word temptation or various temptations when you fall into various temptations or, or diverse temptations. But most other translations that I looked at use the word trial here. And I, I guess in a sense, they can be used somewhat interchangeably. But the word temptation usually comes with a connotation of being enticed to do evil. Or, yes. And the Bible is very clear that God never tempts us or entices us to do evil. But he will allow various trials to come into our lives. And I believe that God allows those trials for the purpose of proving us, of testing, to see if we are genuine, if we are real. So in some ways, we could say that every temptation that you face is a test or is a trial. How are you going to respond to that? Joseph is a good example of that. Joseph was tempted. Joseph faced Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He was tempted. That's a true temptation. He was tempted to do evil. But Joseph passed the test. He got out of there. It says he got out. Now, I, while it's true that every temptation can be called a test or a trial, I don't think it's quite right to say that every trial is a temptation because there are things we face in life that are, are not temptations but rather are difficult things that, that prove us. Maybe Abraham is a good example of that. The Bible says that God tested Abraham. I think the King James does use the word tempt there, but I think a better word is test. And he tested him severely. He tested him with the sacrifice of his son. And I believe that God was trying to find out if Isaac was an idol in Abraham's life. And Abraham passed the test. But in every situation that we face in life, there, there is two perspectives to this. I want to read a quote from Jay Adams. He says, so, so we're talking about things that come into our life, whether it's a temptation, whether it's a trial. There are two perspectives on that, or we can take this either way. Jay Adams says, from God's perspective, the event is an opportunity designed for your good, a trial that can threaten, that can, excuse me, can strengthen you. But from Satan's perspective, the event has potential for evil that will weaken you. In every trial, we should remember the du double possibility. Some Christians never gain the twofold perspective. They construe every event as only a temptation and miss the opportunity for inner growth. So the things that we face can either be a trial that will strengthen us or it can be a temptation that will weaken us. And the difference is how we respond to it, how we face it. If we face it victoriously, it can make us stronger. If we face it and fail, 
it can weaken us. So God wants us to face the things in life and to face them victoriously. So what are various trials that we face? We're not talking about temptation. We're talking about the difficult things in life that we face. There are many difficult and devastating things that happen to all of mankind. This is not just a unique thing to Christians. It happens to all of mankind. But there can be sickness. There can be death. There can be war. There can be handicaps. There can be abuse. There can be all kinds of abuse. There's many kinds. There can be all kinds of losses. Loss of money. Loss of health. Loss of you name it. Many times kinds of life. And I believe that as we are living life and as we face those things, they can be a real trial. They can really test our faith in God. Paul gives a list of things that I guess he faced in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. All kinds of things there that Paul faced. And sometimes these things we face are things that are consequences of our own sin or, or rebellion or whatever. But many times it's not. Many times it's the result of other people's poor choices or of uh, things that just happen as a result of being part of the sin cursed world. Various trials can challenge our faith. And it's usually a situation where our own resources fail us. We do not have enough what it takes. And as I think about various trials, or as we think about various trials, I'm guessing as I, we're talking about it, you're thinking about something that you're facing or have faced in the past. You know what things you have to deal with. You can identify with a various trial that he talks about here. Another thing that he says here is that I notice here is that you fall into various trials. I think that is kind of an, an, an interesting thing. It, it's like it's, you're walking along and suddenly, boom, you're into it. You're not expecting it. It comes on you suddenly. And that can really throw you for a loop when something comes in that, that challenges your faith. But for this, the Christian, we have the assurance that nothing that comes our way is by accident. God holds our lives in, in his hand. And the response of faith is that God knew about this test and he allowed it to come my way. So various trials, I believe, are hardships of many kinds that we face in life. So I'd like to think now about why does God allow us to face various trials? And I think to answer that question, um, maybe we'll never really fully understand till we're in eternity why God allowed this or that. But I think he does give us some, some clues that we can discover from, from his word about why God allows various trials to come into our life. And I think one way we answer that question is to look at the effects that they have on our lives. What do various trials or the testing of our faith, what does that do for us? 
or how does that affect us? One of the things we see here in verse 3 is that it produces patience. Various trials, when we're going through them, can produce in us godly character. And here he specifically mentions patience. And patience has the idea of, of endurance, of waiting it out. You know, many times trials that we face, they're not just over and done. They can be long. They can be, we can be in them for years. Or maybe they never end while we're here on earth. They can have a long-term effect. And so to, to get through that, it takes endurance. It takes patience. It takes waiting. And I don't think that patience is one of those things that we can just ask God for and say, Lord, just give me patience. It's got to be something that's actually lived out and developed in our lives. Patience has to be just beat into us in a sense. So various trials produce patience or develop patience. I believe that various trials, and I've got a long list of things here that I think various trials do for us. It aids us in the process of sanctification. You know, we, when we come to Christ, yes, we are cleansed of our sin, but we begin the process in a sense of sanctification and of developing godly character. And I believe that various trials can aid us in that process. Various trials and difficulties can make us into better people. It can knock off the rough edges in our lives. All of us have them. All of us have rough areas that need to be knocked off. Facing various trials gives us experience. When you face a difficult situation and go through it, you have, you have experience now. You know what it's like. And then when you f are working with other people, you also can use that to be useful in that situation and help others through that time. It can help you to be empathetic and to understand the struggle of, of another person. It can make us useful. I mentioned that. Another thing is that it gives us the opportunity to experience God's grace. When you are going through a difficult time and your resources fail and you are at the end of yourself, that's when you truly turn to God and his grace becomes so real and sufficient for us. Another thing that facing various trials does is that it opens us to the love and the care of God's people. I'm guessing most of you, if not all of you, have experienced that, where you have went through a difficult time, maybe a death of a loved one, and God's people rallied around you and offered their care and support. That's a tremendous blessing. Another thing that I think facing various trials does for us is that it increases our faith. As we face something that is difficult and we just cry out to God and learn to trust him, I think, think our faith grows. And right along with that is that it draws us into a deeper trusting relationship with God. God becomes more and more precious to us as we face the difficulty. 
facing various trials in this life can also increase our longing for heaven. When we know that there will be no more pain or sorrow or difficulties or struggles, can also help us let loose of the things of this earth that so easily tie us down and weigh us down. When we think about things in the light of eternity, that's a long list of things that God can do and use through various trials. And yet, there's maybe one more here that we see in the thing is that God wants you to be a perfect and a complete person. In other words, God wants you to to be whole. If we look a little closer at those two words, perfect, the first one is perfect. The Strong's definition is complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental, and moral character. And it has the idea of reaching maturity. God wants you to reach maturity as a Christian. He doesn't want you to just stay a baby and be wallowing around. He wants you to grow, to grow up into him, to be of a full age. And the second word there is complete. It means to be entire or, or perfectly sound, to not be missing any parts. So God wants you to be perfect, mature, and not to be lacking any major parts. So I think that so what a question could be, what does it mean to be perfect and entire? And I don't believe that it means to be sinless and to be perfect in that sense, but it means to continually be growing as a Christian, to be on the upward climb. It is not to plateau at some level of perfection, but to be continually growing in our lives, to be, uh, to be on all fronts progressing as a Christian. It means to be in the process of resisting and overthrowing sin. And it means to be growing in our faith. So I think we learn from this passage that God wants to use various trials to make us into a more, to a better and better Christian. I'd like to look now at how we should respond to trials various trials that come our way. Our natural response to facing difficulty, the carnal man, can be one of frustration, or maybe of anger, or maybe of just gloominess, or self-pity, or maybe despair. Things can weigh in on us and weigh us down. But I think we need to recognize that these are our feelings and emotions. And James gives us here some instruction about how we should respond to those things. And I confess that what he says here does not make sense in the natural sense. He says to count it all joy. Now, that doesn't make sense does it? To count it all joy when you face various trials. And I think it's important that we make a distinction here that James is not saying that we need to feel joyful. This is not our feelings. 
He's saying rather that we should count, or as another interpretation says, to consider. Consider it all joy. And the idea has more to do with how we think than how we feel. Okay, our feelings, maybe we can't control those as much, but we can control our thoughts. And so he's saying here, we need to count or consider. If we look closely at this word count, it means, it can mean a lot of different things, but some of the, the, the um, meaning here is to rule over or to lead. And I think the idea is to rule over or lead our minds to think correctly about what we are facing. Rather than let our feelings and emotions be in the driver's seat and take us wherever they want, we need to count or consider or lead our minds into thinking about this difficulty or trial as God thinks about it. And I'm not suggesting that this is an easy thing to do. Sometimes our feelings can be so strong that we can hardly think straight, uh, correctly. But I believe that by God's grace, we have to take captive our thoughts and lead them into truth. We need to take captive those thoughts and remember what all God can do through this trial, through this thing. We need to take captive those thoughts and remember that in the light of eternity, it's but a light thing, as it says in 2 Corinthians. I don't have that reference, but I believe that by God's grace, we can count it all joy. And I believe a mature Christian sees something in a trial that an immature Christian will never see. So James is not crazy here when he says to count it all joy. And he's not saying that you should just be happy and euphoric when bad things happen. That's not what he's saying. But rather that we take or that we consider it all joy because we know that this thing that we are facing is not an accident and that God can use this thing not to destroy me, but rather to make me into a perfect and a complete man. It's kind of interesting to think about this, and I don't know this, but I, as, from what I understand, James was one of the first books that were written um, of the, yeah, maybe even the first book from what scholars understand. And so it's possible that Peter and Paul would have read James's writings. And it's Peter and Paul both have some other verses that go right along with this thought. In 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9, you can turn to it or I'll just, just flip over a few pages. It says, in this, he's talking about, uh, well, I think you'll get the context. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if needs be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now 
you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I would like to just point out that he's saying in verse 6, he says that you may have been grieved by various trials. You may feel grieved, but lead your mind to rejoice about them. Rejoice in trials. And then in Romans 5, 3 and 4, it says, Paul speaking here, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perver- perseverance character and character hope. That word glory there can also be interpreted rejoice, just like uh, Peter said. So whether Paul and Peter read James's writing and got that thought from him, I don't know. But it is amazing how that they both basically say the same things. You need to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So I'd like to tell you a little more about Jeffrey's story. Jeffrey told us that in facing this death of his nephew, it began to work on his dad. And his dad began the process of coming back to the Lord. And from what I understand, he has recommitted his life to the Lord and is back with the church. So God took a painful, inexplicable experience and used it for his, for his glory. And another thing that I noticed in Jeffrey's life, life was just a sense of gravity. When he had something to say, it was worth listening to. God was at work in that situation. But God can use very difficult and painful experience to bring us to a place of surrender. So in closing, all of us will face the testing of our faith through various trials. And God wants to use these very things to shape us and to mold us to become more like Jesus. God will use the hammer of trials to chisel away at our rough edges. God wants to develop a godly character in us. And so my challenge to you today is how do we respond to these trials Let's not let our emotions and our feelings get in the driver's seat and drag us into despair. But rather, let's learn to count it all joy or to rejoice in those times and allow God to use the trial that I'm facing to produce good in my life. I'd like to leave you with two verses from Peter. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11 says, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you.